Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Lord, we come to you thankful for gatherings like this, where you've chosen a man or a woman of God to preach, to proclaim, to be a herald of the good news of the kingdom. Thank you for Ted calling him many years ago to lead in the body of Christ, to teach, to make disciples, to impart wisdom, to impart gifts. Thank you for his calling to go and take care of orphans in Africa and the fruit that we've seen in that. We, we pray for him right now that in this moment he will be as though he's the oracles of God speaking, that you would give him a prophetic voice so that we, your people, will encounter you, that will be transformed in the hearing of the word of God. We open our hearts right now and we come with faith and we say, Holy Spirit, have at us. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Today, do what you want to do in your time and your way. This gathering is for you. This gathering is for your glory. And we want to be equipped to be those that carry the message and the presence of Jesus Christ to our world. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Abusa. <laughs> you know Abusa? Have you heard of Busa? Abusa is in the native, one of the native languages in Zambia is the word for pastor. So I just said, thank you, pastor. And I mentioned that when I preached in Brazil one time that I like being called Abusa rather than pastor. And my interpreter said, well, in Portuguese, Abusa means abuser. So you told the people you're an abuser. So I didn't start off that well in the beginning of the, of the message, you know, always uh, making little gaps like that. Um, Ron mentioned he got this beautiful shirt, and they do have beautiful shirts. You can point to something over there and tell somebody uh, you like that, and they'll have it back to you within either a few hours or a day made and thinking you bought it. And I made a mistake doing that when I pointed out a suit on a young man when I first got there. He said, I said, I love that suit. So next week I went back to the church, and he said, that'll be $120, please. So, so you have to watch what you say. This great piece of material, you see, see these little, they're kind of like uh, zebras on there. You know what great African store this is from? Kohl's. <laughs> that's, that's where I got it. Well, it's just a, a great joy to be here with you this morning. My wife, Judy, and our friend, Corrine, is uh, here. And we've been in the States for the past few months. We've returned to Zambia at the uh, end of October after our fundraiser. And, uh, you know, I, I feel, I am actually, I'm literally between two worlds. I want to be over there and I want to be here because we have our family here, our grandchildren who are growing, but yet we have a whole family and group of people that God has made part of our lives that we love deeply. So I'll be glad to go see them, but I'll be missing my grandchildren after a while. I want to come back here, then I want to go back and forth. So I'm confused this morning. <laughs> I don't know, know where I am. I want to just share with you, when I was praying about uh, ministering and preaching this morning, uh, 
Ron had asked that I do so. And it's interesting. This church is, if I were over here in Oceanside, this church would be my home church. I love you all. known you for years. You're very welcoming, and I just feel like you're my family. So in some ways, I wanted to just take out a nice, comfortable chair, a little table on the side with a cup of coffee, and just have a conversation. Yeah. But uh, I was preparing and praying. I said, Lord, what is, what is the word that you want me to, to share, and what do you want me to preach uh, textually and everything else? And I kept being stirred by the words, Come Holy Spirit. And that's a very familiar song. And for myself, having had my foundations, at least pastorally in my development, was through the Vineyard Christian Fellowship, it was an intercessory song and prayer that was prayed very early in the history of the Vineyard Christian Fellowship movement. Come, Holy Spirit, hear us calling. Come, Holy Spirit, hear us calling to you. Anybody remember that? And it was, it was like an intercessory prayer led by uh, our leader then, John Wimber. And I was struck with that, so my, my, I was led to... Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and if you would go there with me, because that's going to be a focus of my message this morning, and I almost feel like I'm preaching this to the choir, but sometimes the choir needs to be encouraged, amen? Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and these were the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven, and I know it's familiar to all of us. And my message this morning is called, Come Holy Spirit. It says in verse 4, And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power from on high. One of the things that I've noticed, especially quite a lot lately, is that the Holy Spirit is a very much neglected person of the Trinity in the church at large. We believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but often people don't know about the Holy Spirit. People don't understand his function in the church, the importance of the Holy Spirit, I never heard a message on the Holy Spirit unless maybe once every five years. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I was an altar boy, good little altar boy, every morning at Mass, you know, saying, I'm a day of human to the man, mea culpa, mea culpa, you know, you know, anybody who know that here? Okay. We'd be at the Mass, and I'd be saying, you know, along with the priest. And then one Sunday, there were a group of priests who came, and they were called the Holy Ghost Friars. And I was only about 10 years old. And I got to tell you, when they said Holy Ghost Friars, I was a little afraid as to what was going to happen. But then I was comforted because I liked a cartoon called Casper the Friendly Ghost. But there's no association between the two. But the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit was something that was really foreign in terms of my background or experiencing growing up in the Christian circles I was in at that time. And it wasn't until sometime after that that I was able to be invited to a what was called then a Catholic Charismatic meeting, 
and that was a, a, a church service, a mass, and I was a little bit overwhelmed because that meeting, charismatic, has to do with the word charisma, and it has to do with a, a, a focus on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And having been in a liturgical background where everything is rose, everything is getting up, sitting down, you know, blessing yourself and saying very rote prayers, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was very unusual for me when I began to see people with their arms up in the air, when they were yelling out in some kind of strange utterances. I didn't know what they were saying. And uh, I had a board, uh, a psychiatrist on our board of directors at the time, and I ran a uh, non-secure detention program for delinquent kids back in 1980-76. And we brought the members of our board to this meeting because everybody was talking about this charismatic movement in the Roman Catholic Church and in other liturgical churches like the, the Lutherans, Episcopalians, maybe the uh, Presbyterians. So we went, and these people were doing some pretty unusual things, at least to me, having their hands raised, they were praising God, there was very dynamic, vibrant worship, because our worship that I grew up with was just usually quiet, like the Come Holy Ghost song. Come Holy Ghost, Creator bless, and in our hearts take up thy rest. And I'd be looking around as a kid, a little bit intimidated. But these people sang, come Holy Ghost, Creator bless, and in our hearts take up. And I said, wow, this is different. But at the same time, the experience that I entered into was a little unusual. And I turned to my wife and I said, you know, these people, I think, need a psychiatrist here. They're a little off. <laughs> I, was, I was not walking with the Lord then. I just finished my first master's degree in psychiatric social work. And in there, we studied Freudian psychoanalytic analytic theory. Everything was at their you know, the need for a father a relationship with God, the father is a need for a father figure. It's all fabricated in your mind. So I was struggling with that. And the psychiatrist from our board was there, and I turned to him. I said, well, I didn't get too luck telling my wife, much luck with telling that to my wife. So I turned to the psychiatrist, and I said, you know, these people here, they need you up there. The psychiatrist, he said, he said there's already one up there. I said, what do you mean? He said, you see that guy walking around with his hands? He's the head of the Department of Child Psychiatry at Albany Medical Center. So I said, oh, okay. So that was my introduction. But from then on, that point in time, I not only began a journey which brought real clear stability and foundation in my life to who Jesus was and how I was to surrender my life to him, but also the person and work and dynamic of the Holy Spirit. And it's been that way throughout that particular movement. It's been that way through my times when I grew up and was part of the vineyard movement. And it's been part of my life now. But I've been noticing that this, this particular passage, some people celebrate the Feast of Pentecost early or each year. And most of them are within liturgical churches. Even Pentecostal churches celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, which has to do with the, at least in Christendom, and Judaism is something else, but in Christendom it has to do with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the church. And there seems to be a disconnect between what is said in the service 
and what actually takes place, place in the lives of people by way of their experience with the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, what I've been seeing lately, I mean, you know, it's, Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And I think most of you or many of you here in this church, and some of you may not, uh, you know what it is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some of you may say, I don't know what you're talking about when you talk about that. That's okay. We're going to help with that as we move along. But this is a significant time in the history of the church because with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there is an eschatological inbreaking of the Spirit. I had to say that. I just had to say that. Okay? <laughs> because it's a pneumological understanding that we have to have about the Holy Spirit. You know, I had a lot about pneumatology, I had a lot about eschatology, but I hadn't spoken tongues yet, so I wasn't too sure what they were talking about. But eschatology is just end times things. Turn to somebody and say eschatology. I did that one year in the church, and a girl came back to me the next week. She said, I was so excited. I said, why? Well, I was at lunch, and we had a little Bible study, and they talked about eschatology, and I knew what it was, and nobody else did. I said, well, that cost me about $5,000 to get that degree at that time. So, and pneumatology has to do pneuma, the spirit, the study of the Holy Spirit. So there's been studies, but the person and work of the Holy Spirit is more than just a theological construct. In other words, you can read a book this size about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, but it has very little connection and application in the life of most of the church. The Bible, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then what? You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. So this visitation, this coming of the Holy Spirit, was a very, very traumatic entry of the Holy Spirit. Actually, the age to come, the future age, came into our age in fulfillment, but not total consummation. In other words, we see the movement and the, the power of the Spirit operating among and around us and within us, but it's not in, in, in completion. That's why we see uh, ebbs and flow, if you will, of the Spirit, where there's times of great movement and great healing and great uh, changes and transformation that's taking place in our individual lives and our lives as a community. Or there's other times it seems like, wow, you seem to be praying and praying, and it doesn't seem like much is going on. Well, things are going on, but there's, there's an ebb and a flow because the Lord, the Spirit of God, is, control, is in control of how he moves and when he moves and where he moves. You know, there was a meeting in the Catholic Church called Vatican II in 1960. The, the Catholic Church would have church councils every 100, 200, maybe 300 years where they'd come together and they'd They'd look at church doctrine, look at things that maybe needed reformation in the church. And Pope John XXIII dedicated Vatican II in 1960 to the Holy Spirit. Well, that caused some uproar because at that time, there was a large group of theologians who wanted to remove the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity and just have two persons in the Trinity. 
So fortunately, the Pope at that time fought against that, and he dedicated the conference to the Holy Spirit. You know what happened as a result of that conference? There was a lot of bickering going back, back and forth, and he held his ground. But the Catholic charismatic renewal, which I got saved in, baptized with the Spirit in, where my life was radically changed, where I moved into community with people, and we lived in total sharing, and we uh, shared all our things, paid everything together. My, my mother-in-law thought I was in a cult, but at the same time, you know, we were just doing what we thought we should do to just share everything in common. And that had a very dramatic influence in, for those in Catholic, Presbyterians, Lutherans, and others, and along with myself that catapulted me into where I am today. So my question is, what happened to the Holy Spirit? Just think about that. I share with so many people who have been part of different movements, uh, whether it's been uh, the Vineyard, whether it's been Pentecostal churches, whether it's been charismatic churches. I'm talking about people who understand and have been impacted by and influenced by and have moved in the dynamic of the Spirit. And many of them that I know are dropping out of church. They say there's no dynamic of the Spirit anymore in our churches. And I have to say, in many ways, if you look on a Sunday morning, but the Spirit of God just doesn't move on Sunday morning, he means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because we were not told to go and soak, we were told to go and tell. You know, so we get taught, but with the, with the intent of having an R&R and the understanding of where we are and how we're pursuing our, our walk with Christ, but it's not just once a week. But there, there's been a change in the dynamic of the church. Many churches, and the church I'm in now, and I love, there's no room. Because many of our churches have programmed the Holy Spirit out if you understand what I mean. There's time for three songs. There's time for the message, always an hour, because the message is very important, and it is. But now I find even in vineyard churches, in Pentecostal churches, Assembly of God, in other charismatic settings, at the end of the service they say, if you would like ministry, there's somebody over in the corner to go talk with you. And my life experience in growing up in the dynamic of the Spirit, especially when I was in the Vineyard Movement, it was ministry was part of the whole service of people coming together. It was a way we taught on how to minister and transferred ministry so it didn't remain in one person. So I I had a a situation, I don't mind sharing this, some people say, oh, you're sharing something personal. About five years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I was pretty upset about it because I didn't know what was going to happen or what they were going to do. I was in need of prayer that Sunday when I went to church. And the room we're in is about 350 people, and it's full. The church is full. So afterwards, the pastor said, if you need prayer, just go back in the corner there and somebody will be praying for you. I went back in the corner. People were all standing, talking, going in and out, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to share something as personal as that with, in this type of an environment. And I left disappointed, but also knew I could go to other people who can pray to ministry 
minister with me. And by the way, I am free of any cancer. So praise God. <laughs> that was five years ago. So, uh, so what I'm saying, there is a concern, and it's a concern that I have. I, I've got to be honest with you. I really, this is, when I was preparing this, I felt, Lord, I feel you're preaching more to me. <laughs> and maybe some, some people here can also glean from it as well. The Lord, in taking me back to Acts, to the power of the Holy Spirit, and I read through the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts, if you haven't read it again lately, it's breathtaking with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people speaking in other tongues and praising God, people thinking they were drunk with wine. And then Peter, who was a turncoat, didn't even show up for the crucifixion, denied Jesus. He's all of a sudden given a word, and it's a powerful, dynamic word because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And later on, he's brought before the Jewish leaders of Sanhedrin, and they're saying, these are not learned men. And they were insulted by what they said and decided to put them in jail. And then later, when they got let out of jail, they were in together with a prayer meeting and said everyone was filled with the Spirit. And the building even shook. And then you look on in the movement with that, with, with Stephen, even Stephen, who got up and gave a powerful message and rebuked the Jewish leaders and called them, you stiff-necked and rebellious generation. Even he, as he looked up to heaven and they opened up and he saw God in his glory, it says, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So as I've been looking at this, because I've, been, I've restudied a couple of times, oh, is the baptism with the Spirit at salvation as my evangelical friends will be and that's it? Or is it a second work? And in that work, is it something that's once and that's it? You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between infillings and baptism? Are there repeated infillings? You know, when you go to too much school, you get all these questions in your head, right? <laughs> it can get you uh, mixed up. But as I've understood it, and especially, especially a man named John Piper, who is one who I respect a lot, he's a well-known teacher, he, he talks about the difference of the words that are used in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he talks about the spirit and baptism, Paul's language and using the language, which is the same language that's also used by Jesus in Luke, but they're with different intents. One has to do with entry into the body of Christ. The other has to do with empowerments and even repeated fillings. So I had thought quite honestly at one time, I said, well, you prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to keep praying for an experience, experience, experience. But the reality is, is you and I need to be full of the Spirit every single day in our life. We need to be filled with the Spirit to raise our children especially in an environment that we're in, in our culture, with all this stuff that's going on in terms of trying to undermine and rob them of their, their Christian roots and coming against it and criticizing it. We as parents have to have knowledge and empowerment and wisdom and to have the, the spirit working in our lives. So it isn't always, oh, it's just a power encounter all the time and everything falls down on us. Sometimes it is. Maybe the Lord's going to do that today. I'm hoping he does quite possible, because God wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to meet you because he loves you. He loves you. And he delights in sharing his gifts with you 
and empowering you because you know what? As we, people used to like to say, he's not a man, but he's a gentleman. He shares the glory with Jesus. He doesn't get the glory. So it is important that we understand the Spirit of God is given for a purpose. And that purpose is to empower us. It's even a promise that Jesus said will be given to you. And Peter repeated, it's the promise of the Father, the Spirit of God. And, it's, and Peter said in his, the end of his sermon in chapter 2, this promise is for you, the people at Pentecost, and for your children and those who are far off. And guess who the far off people are? You and I. It's the promise for us too. We get to be part of that. Because frankly, brothers and sisters, I cannot live the Christian life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who transforms me. I cannot transform myself. He is the one who works in me and lives in me, and that I live in him. And I, I, I live for his glory because he is bringing glory to Jesus. So as we go back to the Holy Spirit, we're comforted. The Spirit of God is called the Comforter. And not only the Spirit of God is he called the Comforter, he's also in the translation in NIV in Luke chapter 14, 26 and 15, 26. He's referred to as the Advocate in the New International Version. He's our advocate in all things. But in the uh, what's it, I can't the standard version, it's he's our helper. So he's both our helper and our advocate at the same time. So as I, as I look at this, I'm saying to myself, wow, Lord, I, I need to have this reminder about Pentecost. But there is a problem in the church, most churches, as I've said, Pentecostal, charismatic, third wave churches have programmed Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit out of their services. The services have become concert lecture halls and good music and good teaching, but where is the time given to honor and wait on the Holy Spirit? Could we somehow as a church communicate something other then a church is an hour and 10 minutes because you've got to get out because the next service has to come in. I understand that. The church that I attend, they have three services, maybe two or 300 at each service. And, it, and it's a very thriving and growing church. But at the same time, you've you got to be out within 10 minutes. I'm allowed to speak there once a year, and I'm, it's, it's our home church. And we have a major ministry in Zambia where we're, we're taking care of orphans. When we went there... Uh, we started in 2010, we started with one house, and the vision the Lord gave me was a church, 14 homes, a church, a school, and a clinic. I wasn't pastoring a church then, I didn't have any connection with corporations or foundations, and anyone I went to, they said, well, you have to have been around for a while and show that you have some physical evidence of your work by way of buildings or programs. But the Holy Spirit empowered us to say yes to what God called us to do. Because in 2003, at a Promise Keepers meeting, as many of you know, they were asking for pastors to go to Africa to be able to help with the AIDS endemic. 
And as they brought up the need, they wanted 5,000 pastors to go. I was there in the top of the stadium in Phoenix, the football stadium, and he was saying, you need to go now. And when he's talking about the orphans, tears are coming down my face. But in my mind, I'm going, no way, no way, no way. And I know many of you have shared this before. They said, if you feel you're supposed to go to Africa this summer, you come down here now. I ran down the stairs, fell on the ground, and sobbed for seemed like 20 minutes. And the Lord showed me that I had made an inner vow that when I was in Zambia, in uh, Nigeria, in 1982, I got malaria, almost died, was in my body, the parasite. And by the grace of God, people from the team, a team from the church came after two days before they were going to take my blood and do a transfusion. They came and prayed, and the doctor said, don't know what to tell you, but you were loaded with the parasite the night before, and today there's no parasite. You're totally healed. Amen? And I haven't had a recurrence of malaria because once you have that, especially cerebral malaria, you can have it time and time again. And that was in 2003. But the Lord spoke to me as clearly as he has ever spoke to me, not a, not a tangible word, but to my heart. He said I would be giving up the rest of my life to work with orphans. And I went home and told my wife, Judy, and she said, God said it. I said, yep. She said, let's do it. And that was the beginning of change and going in a, in a direction that we didn't know how we were going to do it. We didn't have the funds. But God miraculously has empowered us to do that work. See, that type of empowerment is just as important as an empowerment on a Sunday morning when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you feel like you can feel the, the power of heaven coming, coming on you. I felt that. I understand what that is. And I praise God for that because it's a beautiful visitation of the Lord. But it's, it's not the only way. It's not a miracle of just physical healing or, or some miraculous thing to have nothing and to be given a vision and in 2010, open your doors to the first kids. And now in 2022, we have 10 homes. We have a medical clinic that just opened up in January. We have our, our elementary school. Our high school is going to be built by December. And, and I was given the money for the, uh, for the uh, high school, half of it in December. Somebody came to me and said, I want to, my wife and I were praying we want to help uh, pay for the high school. I said, that's great. And they, they, he gave me a check for half of the cost of the, of the building, of the whole thing. I was at a Mexican restaurant. I love Mexican food. I'm a vegan, but I, I eat huevos rancheros every once in a while. I just have to. It, it, it gives me strength. So, <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you have a little bit of grace here and there, you know. <laughs> So when I got the check, I opened it up, and the woman in the, in the restaurant, she had been my French teacher, French, Spanish teacher for years. I was crying and crying. Even my tears were going into the huevos rancheros. I was thinking, oh, they're being destroyed. But that was okay for what happened. So she said, Pastor, todo está bien? Um, uh, más fuerte los chiles? I said, no, God just did something, and he did a miracle in my life. So now, by the end of December, that is going to be finished. My wife sent out, we don't usually send out letters. I think this is the second or third time that we've sent out letters to somebody. A couple of years ago, I was getting a, a haircut in town, and they called me and said, you know, you need to get back to the village because the roof of your house just blew up, off. 
And I said, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's never a dull moment in Zambia. So I drove back. There's the, the metal roof turned over on the property. And by the grace of God, kids were outside. It flew off but missed them. They were in the house. But my wife was inside that house playing cards with the kids. She didn't come out. So the mothers were all scared to death. Something happened to them. She went in. She was still playing cards with the kids inside. She said, oh, I thought it was just a noise outside. But I put a thing on Facebook then, and I said, I need 2500 for a new roof, if anybody can help me. And they, within three hours, all the money came in. I had to write back on Facebook and say, I had to write back and say, we have enough, I don't need any more. Some of my Zambian pastors said, you actually wrote and told people you don't need any more money? Yeah, I said, yeah, why would I take beyond what was expected for that? So, and then this recent one was with the 300000 we needed for the uh, uh, equipment and furnishings for the school come January. My wife composed a letter. We signed it. It went out about two, two and a half weeks ago. We got half of the money, 158000 and another about 200000 that will be coming in. All by the grace of God because the Holy Spirit is on that work. And people say to me, what, what, what do you do? What's, what's your technique? I have no techniques. I don't know how to raise money. I don't like to raise money. When I pastored a church, I couldn't raise the money to build the church. And everybody else in the area I was in was building churches and schools. And here I couldn't get it happening. And when we were trying to build a church, one of the uh, men in the church said, I think this is your Ishmael. And I thought, my Ishmael? I said, that's not a positive word, and I was offended by it. He said, no, your Isaac is coming, having no idea what that was. Well, breath of heaven is my Isaac. Amen? That's, that's what God has done. And people say to me, what, what is your uh, five-year plan? I said, well, it's called the HG plan. And they said, what is that? The Holy Ghost plan. I don't have a five-year plan. I mean, we, we, we don't. We're not ridiculous, not planning, but I don't say we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. When the need is there, we present it before the Lord, and he makes provision for what he's called us to do so he can get the glory. Some people, oh, you have such faith, and you have this, and you're such wonderful people, and you sacrifice so much to go over there. We are so thrilled that the Lord gave us this ministry. We couldn't be happier. I wish the Lord would give me another 20 years, to tell you the truth. I was 76 in May. You can say he doesn't look that old. I was 76 in May, and I thought I would just love more time. We've just begun to see our kids, some of them graduate, as Sharon said, from school. Some of you have been sponsoring them from the high school, and we have 13 of them, I think, in, uh, in, in, uh, that have graduated. Uh, Ten are in free law, engineering, architectural engineering, psychology, social work, all different subjects that they are being sponsored for, and they will be making an impact on their country. Now, that's good stuff. I really praise God for that. Can we praise God? So all that to say what I'm saying is I, I just felt for myself this morning that, uh, and, and especially for you, not because you're not a church, my gosh, this was like heaven for me coming in here today. 
to be in an environment where there's such freedom and faith and belief and integrity in worship and uh, you know it's not I, I wouldn't know anything about a, a worship team I thought the worship the lead guitar was my wife because she played the guitar she said no I'm not the lead guitar I just play the guitar that's the little bit I know about how to how to do anything but the spirit of the, the Lord is here as we sang in that song but those of us who know the dynamic of the spirit it's important that we keep reminding ourselves of, of that and never take for granted that every day, any opportunity we have, and the Spirit gives an invitation to come for you to be ministered to, it's not something, oh, you're just depending on emotional things. Look, the Western mindset is very cerebral. The Western mindset, they study doctrine, they believe doctrines, and they do the doctrines, and they know a lot, but there's no reality of the, the person in presence. And the difference in the Pentecostal churches, you know, they're the fastest growing churches in the world, in Africa and Asia. In the West, our churches are in total decline, many even turning to apostasy, unfortunately, but that's a biblical uh, word that uh, was given in Timothy, that there will be the great turning away, or in Matthew, the great turning away. But in, in Africa, there's less of the cerebral, and it's more of the experience of the Spirit's presence. The, they, they look at the Spirit to have a reality because of one's experience. With us, we usually deny the experience as a reality. I had a girl that came to the U.S. that I knew a few years ago. She married an American, a Zambian girl, and she moved up near uh, Mammoth Lake, and I saw her a couple of years later, and I said, Sandra, how's, how's it going with the church up there and everything? She kind of looked down, and I said, Sandra, what's going on? What's the truth? I said, come on, you won't insult me. And she says, well, in Zambia, she said, when we go to church, all the way to church with all the kids and mothers and all of us, we're singing, we're praising God, and the crescendo is just building up. And then when you get into the church, everybody is praying and crying out to God. And she said, we live with such weightedness, such heaviness, such tragedy and drama in our lives from the number of people lost due to AIDS, HIV, to uh, drought, to malaria, to tuberculosis. All of those things are upon us all week so that when we come to church, we come to be built up by the message and hear the pastor preach the word of God. And we are encouraged and we're excited to go out and to be able to connect and, and deal with the world for the rest of the week. She said, unfortunately for me, going into some of the American churches, it's like going to a lecture hall in a university. That's sad. Now, I love good teaching. I love expository teaching. I don't like just uh, you know, feeling good to feel good. This is a little bit more different for me today because as Ron said, I felt it was a combination of some teaching and word of encouragement because I believe the Lord wants to encourage you today. But I love good teaching. The problem in Africa is that the, the teaching is very shallow because a lot of it is just focused on, you know, some of them it's an extreme prosperity gospel. 
uh, word faith and some of its abuses of the gifts. You know, you have sometimes people that are going around saying they're apostles. I'm an apostle. And I say, oh, here, apostle, there, apostle, everywhere, an apostle, apostle. You know, because everybody's an apostle, you know. And so this one man, he was from Botswana. I met him. Somebody introduced me to him. And he said, this is apostle so-and-so. I said, oh, good morning, apostle so-and-so. How are you? I said, good. I said, where's your church? He said, I don't have any. I said, what makes you an apostle? He says, I'm a successful businessman. I said, that's indicative of being an apostle. One of our guards, I drove in uh, last year to the property. I said, John, how are you doing? He said, good, I was just made an apostle. I said, oh, an apostle. I said, how did you do that? They told me I was an apostle. I said, oh, good, are you looking to follow like the uh, early church apostles? Oh, yes. I said, oh, you're ready to be crucified upside down, boiled in water. And he looked at me the next morning. I said, how are you doing, John? He said, I'm no longer an apostle. He said, <laughs> So some of it is a lack of understanding. 24-year-old kids that are going around saying they're prophets and uh, people being asked to pay for uh, prayers and stuff like that. So there's an abuse within that system that turns some people off, but it doesn't negate the reality of the Spirit of God. It's like here. There's different church denominations. You, know, you see the, the ads on TV about if you've been abused by this clergy member or sexually abused, you can call this number. So people get in their mind that all uh, clergy are pedophiles and dangerous. And the reality is there's 99% of clergy in those organizations are faithful to their call in serving God and loving their people. Amen? Whether it's the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church or Vineyard Church, whatever it is, they're faithful to their call. So the, the thing that I want to conclude with is that this, this sense of where we are in the spirit, I believe, I, I just have a sense that God is stirring. I know he stirred me. Oh, he stirred me. He must be stirring the whole church. No, I'm not saying that. But it begins with somewhere with people. I had to look and I say, well, you know, the Bible says what comes out of the mouth, right, shows what's in the heart. So if I'm complaining to people, oh, the church, there's no, there's no movement in the spirit in our church, and you know, there's this and there's that, and then I have to look and I say, wow, you know, my words aren't edifying. And I need to look, and I, as I was preparing for this, I said, Lord, what is my heart? Forgive me for expressing things, though they may, need, they may be a reality, but that I'm careful that I'm not tearing down your church. One thing that I loved about John Wimber in the time I was in the vineyard was he loved the whole church of Jesus Christ with all its warts and all its problems. And I want to maintain that gift that came through ministering in, in that particular community for the years that I did and not all of a sudden become sour because you become sour on things, then you're unable to hear God. God doesn't want to talk to a sourpuss, you know? He doesn't want to talk to somebody soaking on a lemon, you know, sucking on a lemon. He wants to talk to somebody that's open and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, I need your fresh anointing today. I'm struggling, Lord, and I can't do it under my own power. Will you come, Holy Spirit, and touch me however you want to touch me today? Lord, I've been praying for this healing, and I've been praying for this for years, 
and I don't seem to have a breakthrough. Lord, could today be my breakthrough? That for, for whatever reason, Lord, you're saying today is the day. Because I do believe he wants to do some demonstration of power today, however that may be, in terms of healing, in terms of deliverance, in terms of salvation. You know, it, it, this, there's a number of people here I know that have been part of a recovery community. And I thank God for the recovery community because our son went through a period of addiction for eight years and it was only through the time that he was in the Salvation Army program that he wound up getting delivered by going into the AA program and he's been faithful in doing that. He's been clean now 10 years and I know all of you, <laughs> all of you prayed for him earnestly. I know when I used to share at the, the different uh, breakfasts. And do you know how difficult it is? It's, it's stupid, isn't it? the sense of vanity and pride, how I would feel, man, I'm up there, I'm preaching about God and his power and his healing, and I got a son that's struggling in addiction. And I'd feel like, really like, but you were always encouraging to me and my wife, and we, we thank you for that. But even within that context, it's still important to know that as you're in the recovery, and God, God is using that, and you're, you're, you have that consistently, it's important, too, that say, Lord, I can't just depend on that by myself. You know, you've got to seek the, the Jesus as the one who is the healer. But in order to maintain that, my son would tell me, Edward, you know, Dad, he says, these, these voices come now and then, not l literal, but I, just these things that, that would tell me you're not going to make it, you're going to go back. And he said, sometimes I fight them every day for a while. Well, I'm glad he told me so I can be interceding for him. And, and so I'm saying to you who are in recovery, you also need the baptism with the Spirit. You need the filling of the Spirit on a regular basis to enable you to continue to walk in freedom, just like I can need the filling of the Spirit of God to walk in freedom and to deal with the things in my life that are sin. We all need the Holy Spirit. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.